You're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. All right, we're here. It is time for Soccer Talk in the Park, a Sherwood Park District Soccer Association's official podcast. I'm in the studio here with a studio, the boardroom. With uh, D, how you it's doing? It's kind of like a studio. It I is kind of like a it's studio. It's got everything today. set up here. Got a bigger table. A nice. <laughs> bigger table. We got Chuckles. How are you doing, Charles? Not too bad, son. Fantastic. And Dano? Good, buddy. How are you? Good. Did good, he just good. call you son? Uh, could be. <laughs> we're a close, tight knit group. group. We're a close, tight knit group for sure. Um, later on, we're going to have a special uh, little deal. We'll talk about that though after the next break. And, uh, and and you know the special guest is actually sitting in the room with us. But you know I'm not going to name him. Not until the actual. Uh, Segment. A segment happens. I'm glad you uh, use the term segment. Today we're going to talk about, uh, we'll have a little tech talk and uh, talking about the club. Our focus uh, later on might be a little bit on player and the indoor season, boarded 9v9. What should players actually work on during the indoor training season? Because, uh, you know, as far as I see it, we mostly gear ourselves up for playing the outdoor 11-a-side game. Uh, a little difficult to do here in the lovely northern part of Alberta. But we will talk about that, and um, we'll also talk about how to motivate players who aren't motivated, talk about the, the mental aspects of players. Uh, Charles, you and I saw it the other day in training, um, just how there was so much going on in these players' lives at the moment, uh, both with uh, basketball tryouts and all these different tryouts. Like, are they mentally and physically capable of uh, outputting you know, quality for a training session. Yeah. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, we'll talk about younger players playing up, a little soccer fluff. Are you ready for Christmas? All that sort of stuff. Maybe some EPL action over the holidays. Everyone will be thinking about that. But uh, anyways, all of that's coming up, and we'll start it all off with a, a little tech talk and, uh, and talking about the club. I'm going to throw it over to uh, he. D, any thoughts on what's going on on the community side of things right now? Um, everything's looking pretty good. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit of a little bit of program that we started up uh, this year that we just had an opportunity uh, to finish today. Um, the Rise in China Academy. Um, we're into I think week four of of the academy, and day by day, kids are getting out there. They're getting a lot more comfortable with the instructors, getting a lot more comfortable with uh, with the ball at their feet. Um, and, and the different type of games that we're having. So we really, really want to encourage um, our parents and our members to get the word out about this fantastic academy. It's a day program. Right now it runs on Thursday mornings. Um, we're always looking to see if we can improve our programs here at the SPDSA. So uh, get your kids out. Um, give us a contact. Contact the office. We can get you in. We still have about four or five sessions left, I believe. And uh, it runs into the new year, so even if you want to we'll get your prorated rate and, and join uh, join in and see if we can grow it for it, this outdoors. You know what, though? I, I have to ask. I saw a little video earlier in the office here of, uh, I don't know, I don't know what type of a drill the rolling was, but there was some uh, heavy-duty rolling going on, and uh, I'm not talking making cookies. You were on the ground there rolling around. Yeah, it, was our, it was our ode to Italy today. I know. I'm just saying <laughs> Uh, no, I'm the physical literacy uh, side of, of things is very, very important, right? So uh-huh. learning how to jump, learning how to fall down. And when we're talking about two, three, and four-year-old kids, um, they have to be able to, to, to learn how to do these things. So they get a little bit of coordination, standing up, sitting down, rolling on the ground, getting up, falling down. So part of our warm-up was, you know, doing a little bit of that and just even a little bit of cleanup. So when they're bending down to pick up a penny and running and turning, changing direction. Yeah. All these things unconsciously that they're doing yep. that you need as, as a footballer. So no, for sure. And I, I was witness to that this morning and I've been out to a couple of sessions and I mean, honestly, D, you're absolutely fantastic with those kids. I'm just a little kid, Charles, so. <laughs> well, I think you have to be. I think we all are to, be, to yeah. some degree, yeah. yeah. Otherwise you wouldn't be involved in a sport like this, uh, that's for sure. Um, I was wondering if the rolling involved any holding of the knee at the same time. <laughs> so I was just uh, curious to that yeah, um, that's next week, Brazil. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, Char- Charles, anything uh, from uh, from the other side of things? Yeah, actually. Well, now we're approaching our, our Christmas break here, uh, and we're almost halfway through the season. I think things are going fairly well, mm-hmm. and we're actually looking into next year already. So yeah. uh, getting the Strive for Excellence camp coming up there now. And we've got a big name coming in. Uh, actually, she's played in the Mexican national team. Uh, she's agreed to come in for the week, and she's also the FIFA technical expert. 
So looking forward to that and just uh, getting some more details will be coming out shortly as to that. And other than that, we're pretty good. Oh, good, good. Now I'm going to throw Daniel under the bus here. And uh, wow, I can't believe I used uh, Daniel instead of Jimmy Oatmeal. Because, <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> He's empty, <already> finished. <laughs> the empty dish is in front of us. So I've just had to throw it out there. Um, your thoughts overall as a program and a whole for the, for the club, how things have been going since, uh, since we got underway on the winter sti- side of things? Um, I think on the whole, it's been pretty good. Um, I think, yeah, some new programs coming out and Shots and Sops has been a big one as well. We haven't really touched on that too much today. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's just really in planning time, right, at this time of the year and going into 2019, thinking about our programs, Strive for Excellence, Rise and Shine, different programs we've got in 2019. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we've got a couple of meetings coming up this week and some planning meetings. So I think we're very much in the mindset of how do we improve our programs? What can we offer our memberships? How can we kind of go above and beyond from really what we want to do as a club and what we want to do in comparison to what other clubs are doing. So, Which is fantastic. The F-bomb. I'm throwing it out there already. I've only used the term fantastic. Okay, that's the third time. <laughs> I'll, I'll avoid it from now on. Um, all right, moving along. We're going to talk a little bit about player focus for the indoor season, and I'm meaning what should players be focusing on within the boarded 9v9 games. Obviously, it's not 11 as a side type games what should what should players be focusing on what are your thoughts in regards to you know it, obviously the skill level all everyone's you're constantly working on your skills your touches your ability to to manipulate the ball and in, in whatever fashion what do you think the kids and, and players should be striving for a little bit more during well, the indoor season I, I think like in the indoor season too if we're playing the boardy game I think it works and develops your decision making ability your awareness You have to think a little bit faster because the game is a little bit faster because things are a little bit more uh, tighter Mm -hmm. situations you have to deal with. So I think that works in the development as well. So once we get to the outdoors, well, hopefully if we've done our jobs right as coaches, TLs, we've coached the kids on how to deal with situations like that. So getting put under pressure really fast. Okay, what's the decision? What do we do? Our, how are we? How's our awareness? Like before we even receive the ball, where are we looking to play? So mm-hmm. as soon as we get it, the ball's gone. So speed of play is a big factor there as well. So we're increasing that. So when we get to the outdoor game, our decisions are faster, our speed of play is faster, our ball works a lot better, and also in indoor, your first touch has to, is so important because you get shut down so fast. Yeah, so, and that whole bouncy ball thing just kills me too. So I mean, you're definitely having to work on your touch and your ability to bring a ball down. Yeah, um, technique on demand for sure. I, I think that it's it's in the non non border game, the border game. It's a small area uh, on the field, and and you're going to be closed down quicker by defenders. Um, you're going to have to be very very wary if you're playing a boarded soccer game. You have to be very very wary about the people around you. So if you're staring at a wall, you have to yeah. have to understand that that's um, there's people going to be bearing down your back. Uh, in the non border game, I think you have to be very very self aware of, of the field. Uh, in front of you again spatially it's not as huge yeah it's it's small it's a small area you have to be faster and again Charles was talking about speed of play it's very very it's good but if your technique is not on on the ball by either receiving a ball passing it or even dribbling into open space if you're not there your time on the ball is is, is much shorter in the inner side so um, any of those things I think are are fantastic to work on Dano any thoughts on uh, coach's emphasis within uh, what they should be doing within training um, I think really it's just you got to lend what the outdoor game can bring into the indoor game, right? So uh, 9v9 obviously replicates the 11v11 game quite a bit. So you, depending, depending where you train, right, some of our groups are out at TTC, it gives you a little bit of a feel of an outdoor game, but the space is still confined to what the indoor space would be. Um, I, I agree with Charles 100% and the technique on demand um, decision making. I think that's a huge one for kids. You can still have them work on opening up. You know, if there's pressure, can I play back to the goalkeeper? Can yeah. I adjust my body? All cues that you would use in, in training into outdoor, you just can't expand, right? You just can't, you know, you can't mm-hmm. have really flank play, crossing and finishing, things of that nature. But there's so many things that our kids need to be working on, on, on their technique, how their, you know, how their body shape is receiving a ball. What are they doing when there's pressure? How th- can they get out of pressure? I mean, so I, I find indoor, there's, there's, there's an immense amount of things that you can work on with our kids. I see it every day at my school as well. I mean, yeah. so. Any, uh, any thoughts in general for all three of you in regards to what I'm finding more, being involved with the shots and stops a lot, I find that players don't really understand cues within the game whether a ball is going to be hit long, whether the ball is going to be a shorter pass, reading the body language of your opponent so you understand the next move that's possibly coming. 
uh, for me, it's, it's more from the goalkeeper's perspective that I look at this based on whether someone's actually going to strike the ball or not and the type of strike they might be hitting based on body language and the cues that they give off prior to striking a ball. I, th- I think for me, it's you go back to when kids are six, seven, and eight, and I'm not saying we're missing it, but I think maybe as a club, there could be a bigger bigger onus on us in regards to developing kids because we often are looking at kids that are 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, mm-hmm. and we're trying to crack a code to be like, how do we, well, they can't do this. How, do, how am I going to figure this out? And we yeah. try and work back where really we need to get the, the foundation in place first where they can understand what they're doing. I'm working with kids. Problem solve. Yeah, I'm working yeah. with kids in, in my program now that, uh, you know, we worked on really a rondo and progress it into opening up and you know what what foot am i playing it to your back foot is there pressure there hey what foot am i playing to now and mm-hmm. you should see how flustered they're getting they're like well i'm just passing it to them right like don't i need to do that and i know they're not saying that but you see it in their in their in their movement like, they're yeah. just playing yeah. the ball to them yeah and then it's like well wait think about the game for a second why would you want to play it here and then when you stop and talk to them about it they understand they're like well i shouldn't because there's a defender there right so what foot maybe their left foot right yeah. and you, when you go through this they can process it but when they're actually executing it it kind of goes away from them right so i think it's just really pulling it back and getting that implemented well, a lot of it's guided discovery as well right mm-hmm. put them in a situation let them work through it a little bit, mm-hmm. and then maybe question them about, okay, why did you do this? Mm-hmm. Okay, what can be done better now? And they, they, kids will solve them. Oh, 100%. They will solve the problem. If we get it at a younger age, then when we get to our year 11s, 12s, 13s, 14s, like you said, then that's not going to be so much of an issue. Now we're working more on skill development and tactics now mm-hmm. because they understand the basics of the game. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, th- I, th- I go with Daniel as well too, like working those little rondos, but even if you're doing a little technical session as a coach, um, have it where there's a passive defender, you know, and have that defender, if you're, let's just say you're just doing a simple passing drill, there's a, there's a passer, there's a defender, there's an attacker, right? Have the defender pop off on one side so the player that's playing a ball in can play to that proper foot so then th- the player can open up or the attacker can open up. So I think adding maybe a, a different element into the, in, if it's technical training, adding a little bit of a different element so people can make those decision-making um, in the session. So increasing, well not necessarily the difficulty, but just the implementation, the awareness, decision-making yeah. and yeah. awareness. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. I mean, and it's something that we, we see it in, in training every day where, you know, coaches could probably expand a little bit on what they're doing just to create that next level for, for players. So the understanding, and like you've just said, the awareness is there for them to, to deal with, which is, which is fantastic. You know what? I've used the term again. Fantastic. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't know what the hell's going on with me. Maybe it's the scent of uh, Jimmy Oatmeal's dish in the room. Uh, I, I don't think it's quite that. But hey, listen, we're going to take our first break here. And when we come back, a special treat for everybody. Yeah, little contest as well is going to be involved in this. You're listening to the Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of Sherwood Park's District Soccer Association. We'll be right back. This episode of Soccer Talk in the Park is sponsored by Icon Experience Photography, the SPDSA's official photographer. And we're back. This is Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. Ah, yeah, special little treat for you. Yep, a little contest coming up. People are going to win something. And uh, what is this segment called? It's called Chillin' with Shillin'. Yes, our own Andreas Shillin'. Can I put some background music a to that? A little background music? We could do something. A little fancy. Andreas, <laughs> 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 how are you? Me good is good. Dankeschön. Yeah, that's great. That, that we want to know what you, uh, what, what's the prize we're giving away with this little contest, Chillin' with Chillin'? Heute zu gewinnen ist ein Kaffeebecher. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> uh, so I feel the, like the, someone the, pressed the, a button on my remote. Now, here we go. <laughs> yeah, switching from translations. Yeah. So here's the deal with this contest. Um, the prize that Andreas just said uh, is what you'll win. And um, how you win it is by this next question we're going to ask him. You have to figure out uh, the answer. And you send in an email to us here at the SPDSA. Uh, on the email, please say podcast, chillin' with chillin', and then give us your answer uh, of what you think the, uh, the the answer is. And if you get it correct, you'll win the prize that uh, Andreas just mentioned. Uh, so, Andreas, the question today is, what was in, what was the fruit in Jimmy Oatmeal's oatmeal today? Blaubeere. 
Ah, there you go. A single answer. And so now I feel like I could get that. <laughs> I was kind of hoping for a little more dialogue. And the SDSA sends out 250 coffee mugs. <laughs> and you've just told them what they're winning, <laughs> which is fantastic. Just fantastic. There, I've said it six times on the show today. We're going to count how many times I say fantastic. Right. I'd like to thank Andreas for being in here. Dre? Dankeschön, sehr ich später. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, we're uh, back to questions now. <laughs> I think we need a new question, man. <laughs> Why? No, we'll keep it simple to start with. Andy, Michael. could you say the answer again? No. Okay, Andy, come on back here. Come on back here. Andy is in the studio with us. He's just going to give the answer again. And the answer... In case people didn't hear what it was. In case they didn't hear, the answer is... Blaubeere. There you go. There you go. It's, it's pretty easy to figure out what was in Jimmy Oatmeal's oatmeal today. So oh, the first email in uh, letting us know. Well, actually, actually, no, I can't say the first one. I'd hope it would be the first one. We'll do a random draw from the emails that come in, and, and the winner will get, yes, uh, as you've already heard from the uh, lovely dialogue from Andreas, you're going to win yourself a SPDSA coffee mug. Maybe even we'll get it officially signed by Andreas Chillin. Yeah, that's Chillin with Chillin. Uh, up next here, we are talking about how to motivate players who aren't really motivated. And this is a tough one because depending on the day, depending on what's going on in a, in a player's, well, day, <laughs> um, is how they're going to be at training for the most part. Now, you hope that when the people come to train, they're there because they want to be there. They're there because they love the sport. They love everything that's going on around it. So what are your gentlemen's thoughts uh, as far as the, the, a motivational factor uh, and um, what can be motivating? I, I, think, I think you've got to adapt as a coach and as a, really a, a teacher, a leader. I think you have to adapt your, your methods depending on the kids. Um, I think the biggest thing for motivation for me is relationships and getting to know the kids. Because like you said, every kid reacts differently, responds to different things. So if you know that kid, there's a trust there, there's a relationship there that, you know, you can work with them and find different areas that, that's going to um, motivate them within their within their own realm, right? So for some kids, it might be, you know, they need the, they're extrinsically motivated. They need the competition, the 1v1, and some kids just want to improve or get better, or have maybe a little bit of anxiety about, executing certain tasks in front of their peers or in certain groups, right? So I think you really need to put a focus on which kids you're dealing with and how you're going about dealing with them. Oh, I totally agree. I think you hit it uh, nail right in the head there, like relationships uh, between the players, and, and that's with all ages and with the parents as well. Mm. I mean, sometimes you get these parents who maybe see their kid playing and they may not have a great game, and in that car ride home is... Boom, you did this wrong, you did that wrong, you did this wrong. Whereas it should be more, hey, fantastic game, you know, good job. You went in there, made a great pass here. You know, maybe the results weren't the greatest, but you don't really focus on that. Mm -hmm. And I think, too, like a lot of it comes from making your sessions fun and inviting for the kids. Yeah. So when they come, they know, all right, end of this session, we're going to be playing a game. You know, and, and kids love competition. Yeah. They really do. And I think the competition drives that motivation a little bit as well. Yeah. And I think. The coach, with the relationships, creating a fun, safe environment, wants to bring the kids out. Well, I mean, you just use the term there at the end, fun and safe. I mean, fun for me is the is the is the optimum. And I know we're talking about motivation. Does that always have to end with a scrimmage type thing? Can it be another type of game? Oh yeah, type scenario. Like you've got that shots and stops. Mm. I mean, kids can go up and have a little competition, like maybe a penalty shootout type of thing, or they play a World Cup. Yeah, where they have a little, getting little teams and they, they compete against each other, and you do that three or four times before the practice ends. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I I, I just find that, uh, yeah. So, I mean, you get the you, every so often you'll get the odd player who, for whatever reason, is having not the best of days, and uh, or they're finding whatever you're doing, I guess, as a coach, a little above their pay grade, so to speak, as as far as their knowledge base goes. And just figuring ways to to motivate that one player and still be able to continue what you've been trying to do with everyone else. Thoughts? I mean, everything comes down to how how you want to look at your training session, right? You can, you can set out a, a training plan and you can say, this is what we're going to do on the day. 
and you get to your training session, you're like, oh, I don't even think my kids are ready for this. So I don't think my kids are, are focused enough mm-hmm. for this. So I, again, Danos is being adaptable. Um, I think even even having a moment, whether in the training session, if you see somebody that's maybe not um, at their ability or not at their at their level where they normally are, take them aside for a couple minutes. You know, maybe have one of your assistant coaches around there uh, r- running your sessions. Take your take the little guy, or the little girl inside, and say, "Hey, is everything going okay?" and 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 getting in, and maybe you'll find out that they. Uh, had a basketball trial at lunchtime and then they just finished up a game and they didn't have anything to eat or they didn't have any water or whatever like that. And I mean, we're in the era of the multi-sport athlete, right? You have to, we have to be aware of the kids that are, might be doing a lot of things and take that moment, get, get to, get to know, like Dan always said there, get to know your, your yeah. athlete and anything can be motivating, right? Anything can be motivating. I thought you got to create challenges to the kids. I think that motivates them as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, he set this for me to do, or she set this for me to do. Let me see if I can do it. Yeah. All right? And then you just build them up to that. F- fair enough. And that, le- that leads into the mental element of the game that we, we were also discussing. Right. Uh, and the mental component. And, and, and you just alluded to it, D, in regards to um, having that basketball tryout, something going on at school. So mentally, how do we, how do we help our athletes to, to deal with some of those scenarios when they, when they get to training? Well, again, I think it's building the relationships, knowing what's going on in their lives outside of the soccer mm-hmm. as well. So understanding what they're coming from, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be like sports related. It could be maybe they're having some issues uh, personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe there's an illness in the family or there's uh, you know something else going on there. Yeah. And these kids come and they want to come because for them, it's a chance to escape. Yeah. And we have to make that as much enjoyable as we possibly can. Yeah. So like Dan keeps saying, like this, the relationships you build with them, you can understand where they're coming from and you can adapt. Like D says, maybe take them aside a little bit, mm-hmm. talk to them, keep them going. And, you know, if they're not having the greatest practice, well, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's going to do that all the time. Yeah. All right. But we can, we can encourage that just through uh, knowing what these kids are doing and what they're coming from. Yeah. I think... Um I think a big thing is being, I think what makes up being a great coach too is, you know, some of the stuff away from the game, right? And being very aware of your players or or your kids in that setting, because it can really lend itself to the point of, you know, who's, let's say there's a player struggling, right? And you can feel that it's maybe not to do with the game, right? They're quiet, they're disinterested, they, they seem off, right? It's, well, who are their closest friends, right? Can you have a word with them to say, hey, can you reach out to them? Like, is everything okay? Because I know for me at school, I sit down and have individual meetings with players and I always ask them, how's the first few weeks of school going? Uh, everything good? Uh, I know you can speak to the teacher, myself, or the counselor if anything are going on. Like, I want you to feel like comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. You at least put that out there. Do you think every kid is going to take that on? No, but at least if that kid knows that there's a safe place that they can come and speak to somebody about something, yeah. that that goes a long way that, hey, somebody cares, right? Because we're in a society now where everything's done a million miles a minute, social media, bullying, there, there's huge things that are going through for kids. And if they have an outlet or they have somebody that feels will go that extra mile for them, I think it's I think it's a huge step in their life. Now, do you think that's something, I, I know we touch on it a bit with, with coaching courses and things like that, like dealing with that element or component of, of, of teaching or learning? Is it, is it a big enough component, do you think, within? And, that, and that's dealing with, you know, the, the issues that crop up with athletes, um, you know, with, with the external things that are going on in their lives. Is there a way of coping with it or at least helping them to switch off in the sense that they're just focusing on the, on the training part of it i don't i don't think anybody can really switch off i think it always plays in the back of your mind no matter what age you are i mean yeah kids are a little bit more resilient and they can adapt a little bit better to it but as you get older i mean you may be around some of the same people around your team and there may be a bit of let's say bullying going on a little bit as well i mean those are things that the coach has to be aware of and has to be able to you know snuff that out like right away yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the teams, uh, most successful teams, have fantastic chemistry. And I use the F-bomb. The F-bomb. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> they have great chemistry and makes them really successful. And the camaraderie that is established within the team it goes beyond that. Mm-hmm. It goes beyond the soccer. It, go, it goes into life itself. I mean, some of the kids and everybody in this room is probably the same. Uh, people that we've known and played with, we still have those relationships with them. And we even still today, we still play against them or we play with them yeah. on teams. Yeah. And 
the mental aspect, I mean, this, this is a tough time of year for kids as well. Uh, with Christmas coming up, there, there might be a separation in the family, like one parent and the other. Yeah. And so they're kind of going back and forth between it, and it could, it could be really playing on them yeah. at this time. I mean, it might be some financial difficulties occurring in families as well. You get the school tests. You've got exams uh, all coming up. All the exactly. trials for different sports. And like you said, the multi-sport thing, D, earlier. Yeah. So we, we have to be aware of that. And I don't think there's been enough emphasis put on the coaching aspect of that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these courses, and I'm thankful to say that this is something that Sherwood Park District Association is looking at bringing in, actually starting in January. Mm-hmm. So coaching our coaches in this part of it as well. Yeah. So hopefully that goes a long way to making us better coaches, better players, and making our players uh, feel more comfortable. Yeah, yeah uh, kids are under a lot of pressures, whether it be from any 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 matters, school, home, sport, whatever it is. And we're going into a time right now where we have to have, and I think our coaches have to have a little bit more of a a long-term goal uh, of development more than a short-term goal of development. If you're that coach that is hard, 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 hard all the time, you're going to break a player down. Mm -hmm. You're going to break a player down. You have to think about the long-term success of that player, the long-term success of yourself as a coach as well too, because we don't want to deter anybody. And, And again, everybody's saying they never know what's going on in somebody's day. Right, so there has to be some flexibility. There has to be a long-term goal. Um, I think it's very, very important to understand that. Like if you're talking about an 11, 12, 13-year-old player, you can't expect them to to be spot on all the time. You can't expect them to be focused and ready to go every single moment. You have to be able to be patient. You have to be able to work with that. So, and again, just being aware, aware of your players. You know, show up at your training session. You don't even have to. You don't even have to greet everybody, but you just have to be able to assess mm-hmm. assess who's walking through that door, how they're walking through in, into that change room. Yeah. Um, do they have Do they have a little bit more energy? Do they have a, You know, you have to be able to assess those things right before you even get into get into your session, before you get into your warm up. Yeah. Right, that's when you change your approach. I know. I know for sure when I walk into a gym, and I say hello to to the team that I'm working with. You'll, you'll see who's ready, right? Because sometimes it's a challenge to get people even out there, yeah, or to get kids sure. out there. And if you if you see that and you, and you know that it looks like it's a it's a bit of a dull room, then you got to change your you got to you got to adapt to it, and maybe you start off with something that's lighthearted and fun. Because if they, if you might be that coach that is is um, strict and and you're always on and hardcore, and hardcore all the time. Yeah. Some of those kids are going to be dreading to come to a soccer practice, yeah. so and they'll if, fade from it. If you can be flexible, it's it's going to be magic towards the end because you don't want the kid coming to a training session and be like, oh, what kind of mood is my coach going to be in like today? Mm-hmm. You want them to come in like, oh, you know what? He's str- he's strict, he's firm, but he's fair, yeah. or she's strict, she's firm, but she's fair. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I mean, it's at the end of the day, the the coaching component. I mean, we're sure you're trying to teach the athlete how to play the sport. But there's life lessons within everything that we do as coaches, and and I think I think there's times where you need to remind yourself of the fact that you know what I'm I'm molding this young person into not only an athlete but to hopefully become you know something or at least be aware of some things uh, as far as life goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think like obviously parents play a big role. In what's the saying? Right, it takes a community to shape a child or build a child. Right, I don't mm-hmm. know what's the line, but it takes, takes a village to raise a child. There it is. Oh, there there it, is. it is. I know it's close, right? So sounded um, good. <laughs> te- teachers, uh, coaches, yeah, play a huge part in that. So you have a responsibility to, um, yeah, essentially be there for these kids. I don't even want to call them players or athletes at this time. When you're working mm-hmm. with twelve or thirteen year olds or yeah. nine or ten, eleven year olds, I mean, yeah, you got a you got a responsibility just to be there as as a person and. A, a lot of a lot of players look up to coaches as well, right? They're a new face to talk to and whatnot. So I just yeah. think if you're available and you're there, I think it's good. So yeah, shif- shifting gears slightly from that. I mean, that's it's it's a topic obviously that we just finished that really needs to be uh, thought about. But now, let's talk a little bit about should young players play? You know, what? We'll, we'll talk about it when we come back. We're going to take a quick break here. We'll come back for uh, for probably the last segment in this lovely. Uh, thing. This is Sherwood uh, Park District Soccer Association's Soccer Talk in the Park as I stumble a bit. We'll be right back.
This episode of Soccer Talk of the Park is sponsored by Icon Experience Photography, the SPDSA's official photographer. And we are back. This is the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association's official podcast, known as Soccer Talk in the Park. And uh, another guest. Another guest is in the room with us. Yes, because Jimmy Oatmeal had to leave. Yes. He's a very important guy. Dan, Dan was an important guy who had to leave. And then an important guy for the office is in here. We have uh, our administration staff member and uh, TL in his own right, ex-pro, ex-Canadian Soccer Association. Soccer. I love saying that. Soccer. Soccer. Just like an American announcer. Soccer. <laughs> uh, Darren Poole. Darren Poole is in, and I'm going to ask him a question as he's sipping coffee. Welcome, uh, Poole. No, no. Poole, how you doing? Good. I'm doing good. That's fantastic. I like oatmeal, too. <laughs> I think we all have some yeah. sort of affinity to oatmeal. So um, we're going to get back into our questions. Uh, Darren's in here to help us out as well. Our, our next topic, should young players play up, and when is the right time to allow this? Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go first to the... Uh, to the Phoenix side of things, and then we'll go to the uh, hot button topic here. Hot, uh, it is, and then we'll, you know, we'll, we can go to the community side, and they just get it in general all over. Should young players play up, and when is the right time to allow this? Absolutely, absolutely play up. Uh, absolutely play up. Okay, uh, I think from even U seven, U eight, I think if uh, the player is developing at a faster rate than the other ones are, they have to be challenged. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to make the jump from seven to nine to seven to eleven that type of stuff. But like a one year jump, a one year jump to the absolutely. next level. Absolutely. I mean, if we look back in history, people like uh, Wayne Rooney, mm-hmm. currently Alfonso Davies, yeah, being brought in at fourteen years old into the Whitecaps. Four years later, he's now signing a contract with Bayern Munich, one of the top clubs in the world. Yeah. If he, if those gentlemen weren't allowed to play up, where would they be today? Well, playing pro at sixteen as well too. Absolutely. I mean, these are guys that have been allowed through their clubs, been identified properly, met all the pillars, the yeah. four pillars, technical, tactical, social, and the mental yeah. part of it. And that's what we just talked about as well. These kids have to meet all four pillars before they're moved up. Well, just just touching base with uh, Darren here, uh, what was, when, when did you start moving up as far as your own play? And when did you sort of, did, did you ever play up a year? Actually, going back in time when I started, there wasn't the club system. Oh, okay. It was the community system. Okay. So when I became 16, the club system that was only around was Victoria Soccer Club. Okay. And that was an amalgamation of... <laughs> Everybody. People, people, well, it was basically Edmonton players, half Edmonton players, and half St. Albert players. Okay. So back then, it was basically an all-star team is really what it was. Wow. Okay. So... The level of play there was, we had all walks of life. We had hockey players that had gone on to the NHL. We have players that have gone into the play professional. So there was, it was a good group of players at the time. And and that time there was a lot of the ethnic teams in. Like we had a lot of Chileans yep. come in and good teams. Yeah. Like it was all over the place. In the question regards to playing up, and I'm sure Charles would know this, some of our kids were actually playing with, Men's programs at the time. Yeah. Well, we both were. I, we I both never. Were. I I was like a friend of mine was playing for the Hungarians men's team. So you had the Scottish guys. If they were good enough, they were playing up for the men's programs. Mm-hmm. So back then, I think it was a little bit different back then. Yeah. The game now is more restricted by rules and regulations and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. like Charles said, if if a player is good enough to play at that level, but Playing is one thing, but being mentally ready, socially ready, and it's not so bad at the younger ages, but mm-hmm. when you get to 15, 14, 15, when you get into those touchy-touchy ages, yeah, especially when you, if you have a group of kids that aren't mature at 16, mm-hmm. and bringing in an immature 14-year-old or a 12-year-old, yeah. that could cause issues. Yeah, now did you find it tough? Did you, did you make that jump to the adult game uh, at I, all as a young player? I think for me it was, it was seamless pretty much, to use that word, seamless. Oh, good. It was not hard at all. It was, it was uh, I thought it was fairly easy, and, and I played against Charles lots, and the clubs back there were different, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Now yeah. it's different, and it's uh, not not worse, not better. It's just it was just different. Now, do you think it would benefit uh, kids at the community level to to especially the ones that show an aptitude for it? I mean, I've been to enough of the games in in the last little bit watching. Uh, different age groups and and within the age groups at the community level, you always see one, two, three players per team that are definitely I don't want to say a step above, but they've 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 obviously developed their game to another level and might benefit to a either playing up or b shifting into the Phoenix program. Yeah, I think we have to identify the reason why those players are there. You know, if they are athletically gifted uh, and good technical soccer players, I want to I want to know the viable reason of why they're playing community soccer. Are they playing three or four different sports and and don't have the time? Okay, sure. Now, does that spark a question of if those players are good enough and and, and too talented for their own age group? Let's just say at a, a U thirteen level, and they don't want to play in the club's uh, competitive stream do we put them into the U15 age group so they're a little bit more challenged and they don't overtake um, the community kids at their level? That's something that we got to look at mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I do, I'm do. i a true believer in in kids who are ready uh, to be play, be placed or be played up for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and, I, and, I, and I think that there has to maybe even be a little bit of a, a hybrid way of thinking. You know, um, Do we have, a, a let's just say, a nine-year-old, okay, a nine-year-old boy? Yeah. All right. He's good enough for his own age group, but then he can play at the U11, right? Mm-hmm. Do we say, okay, if you can play at the U11, does he just move up into that U11 age group? I would highly suggest that you think about still placing him in that U9 age group so he has his peers. Yeah. He has a social aspect of that. And then as he moves up into the U11, he's got that competitive, the competitive um, games or whatever you might call it. Maybe they're playing a, another extra game a week or something like that. I truly believe that can create the social aspect, well, I mean, the mental and, aspect, and that goes to and the cri- also the physical, also physical, technical, yeah, and tactical. yeah, for sure. And that goes to the criteria that mm-hmm. we have within the club right. to make that assessment and to let uh, parents know because I know there's a lot of parents that uh, think their player or their son or daughter is is capable and, and should be playing up and. Do they fit all the criteria, which is? Which is the physical, tactical, social, and mental aspects yeah. of the four pillars. I mean, if you've got three of them, no, you're still not ready. Yeah. You have to meet all four. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to be pushing someone up, like as Dee said, who is not ready in one of those or two of those or three of those categories. Yeah. I mean, when we make the adjustment, we want to make sure it's for the benefit of the, of the, the player as well. Mm-hmm. If they're ready to make that jump, then they're going to be ready. And, I mean, even in the community side, I mean, if these players are excelling in their areas or their age groups and they're doing other stuff outside of that, to me that tells me that they are competitive, mm-hmm. that they are looking for a challenge. So I think even moving them up at that time is good. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, so Darren, do you think, do you think from um – a standpoint, it's just knowing what all the, the, the three of us in particular, because we're older than D, had uh, had faced when we were younger. He's such a baby. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm just thinking, do you, you think things have changed for the better now? Uh, because we're putting more, I don't want to say emphasis, but we're, we're actually, I don't know, we're thinking it through better than, you know, ah, just go play with the, the men's team here and see what you can do. I personally think uh, back going back to time and you know, when the sand was making used for making pyramids and stuff <laughs> I think that's, that's a long way back <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if Pooley actually is from that time so, but, but I, I, think, Egyptian. Yeah, I think there was not there were a lot of it was just parents let their kids go and then you were at the helm of the team and the coach mm-hmm. and you uh, survived in that element and kids that were good kept going Kids that wanted to do something else went somewhere else. And the element of having to do something wasn't as pushed as much. Hockey was a different breed. Yeah. But soccer, when I was growing up, wasn't the – and it was probably the third or fourth sport on the on the totem pole. Wow. Well, it's like you said, too, there, there was no club system right. really at that time. It was – you played your community league, and if there was an adult team, 
that's where you went. That was the next step. Whether you were 16, 17, 18, and if you wanted to play, that was what you had to do. So there may have been only been one team. Yeah. Wow. So where did you where did you get competition then? Where did you play if you only had? Now we're getting into uh, not necessarily talking about the young players, but just back in the day, like uh, well, what was like teams Darren did you said, play? like the ethnic groups sort of got together. Yeah. So it was like your Ital Canadians, it was your Chile, there was your Scottish, there was your Victoria. Okay. And it may have only been a four team league, five team leagues but sometimes. The, but the community teams were stronger because yeah. that was the way to go. If yeah. you were soccer and you were a young like right now, like the younger communities. Mm-hmm. Soccer was where you went. You play with your buddies yeah. in that area. Yeah. So you'd be, so you had sixteen guys. You played at eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. The, the system back then was built for community. Yeah. And hockey was club. Yeah. Soccer was community, and there were strong teams. We played teams where you think now they don't even have soccer programs. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's amazing to think that it's. It's, I want to say progressed or just changed that much that it, you, you have such a transition now in the, in the sport where there are clubs now and in the community, those, those, those community groups are now part of the clubs as well. And, well, for uh, sure, the, the landscape has changed and we look at it even here just in Sherd Park, right? Like we, the, the Phoenix evolved from the Sherd Park Rangers and, and the community is a one massive, massive portion of our soccer program here. And the Phoenix program is a, a, a massive uh, portion of the club and competitive stream. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think there's a little bit of a divide. People people don't really, might not have the education of what the competitive stream looks like or what's being involved. And the community, uh, or the community side might be thinking about like, well, how come these kids get so much more than, than what my kid gets at community? So yeah. I think there's lots gonna have to be done for education and, and still, and I'm happy to be be a part of that right now. And f- when it comes to uh, the players, I, I feel that through the competitive stream, um, through the training that we offer here within the association, within the Phoenix program, I think we've got some of the best, best coaches involved. And there has to be a, a more onus on um, a relationship built between the competitive teams the community teams and the coaches and there's might be opportunities where you know just this week we we have three or four kids that are in the community stream going to go play in in the competitive stream as trialists we need more of that mm-hmm. so that's going to change it again that's going to change the landscape of how people think about where to place their kids or where their kids should be going it was funny too because i was actually at a session where the same thing had happened we might even be talking about the same yeah. Same group, but there was a couple of uh, of young trialists coming up from community, and they had a training session prior to this game that they were going to be playing. <laughs> they, the smiles on their faces, yeah, just massive. being part of it, and honestly, they didn't look out of place. No, they're they good players. fit into these uh, teams, you know, like nothing. And I, and I know it comes down down to exactly what the the player is looking for as far as. You know, they want to be with their friends or not be with their friends. They don't want to have the commitment level. But, hey, I'm going to throw this out there right now. A lot of people, especially if you're in the community programs and you're listening, do not think that the commitment level, if you became part of the Phoenix program, is five days a week. It's not. No, it no, is no. not. Exactly. And and one of the coaches that I dealt with from the Phoenix program or was working with, had actually commented, look, we have two practices a week and a game. That's only three times that we're actually right. on the field. So it's not five, six, seven times a week. Uh, so I, I think we just need to clarify that right. so, so people understand that it might be a larger commitment than the once a week and a game by one session. Right. You, know, you get the odd time where you might have a third session in a week, but it's rare. And, and it's not something that's... Uh, I, I just, you know, it's just, it's just my thoughts. Again, it comes just to the education part of it, about what people's knowledge are about it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and you look at it, they, they go on and see a program outline of a Phoenix program, like, oh, there's assessments, there's this, there's that. Do I want to put my kid through that? Do, do I want to really, you know, what if my kid gets cut? What if they're not good enough? There's all these different things that go through the, those people's minds, right? So it's easier just for them to... Thanks, um, Chuckles. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, D. I think it's easier... For those um, for those parents, just to say, oh no, what I know what I'm getting out of community. It's two yeah. sessions a week. It's a game. It's a it's a practice. It's a it's it's all structured. You don't have to worry about disappointment. We'll just yeah. keep her there. Keep him there. Yeah. And like you said, 
these kids are coming into a training session. Their eyes are as, as, as you know, it's so big to, to be a part of this. I think and they fit in. Yeah, it's not they any, fit in, and that's I think that's where the smile and the chuckle comes in from these people. And I don't mean chuckle because he just annoyed us with a phone call and left <laughs> the room. He just picked it up and walked out. You'll probably hear it in the background. In between what D was saying is anyway. Um, I think the biggest smile is when they realize that they can play at this Absolutely. level, that they can compete with the rest of them. Yeah, for and, sure, and not feel that much of a difference. Now, back in the day, I, I, I remember playing, much like yourself, Pooley, with some of these other teams, uh, obviously growing up in BC. Um, the, you know, it, it, not that it's any different than the club level here, but it, it, was, it was the same thing. I remember playing with some teams that were way beyond where I was at. Not maybe what I was capable of, but just where I was at at the time. I think you found that more in BC and Ontario at the time yeah. because they were the two powerhouses when we were growing up. Yeah. Alberta was slowly coming along. And then we, and there was, I remember we went to a, a tournament or a championship or whatever. And our technical director says, you guys will get destroyed by BC and Ontario. Yeah. And lo and behold, we didn't. <laughs> you didn't. Exactly. <laughs> didn't. So well, see, that's... And it just becomes down with maybe there's that little added pressure of, you know, we can do better and, and kids, you know, get pushed a little bit, can succeed. Can right? rise to the occasion. Exactly. Which is what you're, what you're hoping to do. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I think it's awesome. And um, within our club, and you talk about players playing up, you know, Spurs another question. Where do we go with some of our teams? Yeah. You know, yeah. we've got double age group um, leagues, 17s, 15s, 13s, all the way through. Mm-hmm. Where does that go? Where does it fit uh, for some of these players playing up? Do we go best with best all the way through? How do we educate the parents on it? How do we strive um, for growing uh, growing both female and ma- male styles? Lots of questions, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, how, do we, how do we keep on attracting players to stay within the club? Come back to the city. If you, uh, come back to Shirt Park if you're playing in the city. We've got everything set up here with the, on the technical side. Our administration side is fantastic. We have the we have proper well, getting hopefully proper facility yeah. here. Yeah, we'll keep the next cross there in the next uh, you know three or four years the or whatever next millennium. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we have a structure in place right now, and we can we are delivering I think some of the best programming, and we have to continue to keep our keep our culture growing here in Shard Park. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Hey, listen, we're going to take a quick, quick break. Uh, this week's sponsor is Icon. I forgot to mention that earlier, but I'm sure you're hearing the snippets in between our, uh, our segments. We'll come back for one quick last segment uh, right after this little break. You're listening to Sherwood Park District Soccer Association's official podcast, Soccer Talk in the Park. We'll be right back. This episode of Soccer Talk in the Park is sponsored by Icon Experience Photography, the SPDSA's official photographer. Ah, thank you, Icon. We are back. This is Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. And we're just it's the last segment. We're just going to finish off with a little, uh, little soccer fluff for you. Uh, and some uh, some talk about the EPL over the holidays because you know holiday season is upon us, and you might get some time off. There's nothing better than the way. And I say EPL. You might be watching the Syria, Syria, uh, all the other stuff. And I think for the most part, most of the leagues try and cram stuff in before that break. There's a little bit of a oh, Christmas break. In England, it's one day. They get one day off, or they get Christmas Eve off as I, well. I feel like the Bundesliga is like the only league that actually has a Christmas break. Where, where they take, yeah, where like they a take winter some time break. Off. I'm not yeah. sure if that's changed or not yet, but yeah. um, Premiership, they're rolling. They, they, they do. So Rolling I, right through the Christmas. I mean, like we saw yesterday, there was, there was midweek games, yep. and, and now there'll be more weekend and midweek games, trying to cram the, the, the amount of games that they need in. Uh, before the season's over, and I, I guess one of the biggest days for me to watch is the is the Boxing Day. Uh, oh, that's when they come uh, back after the Christmas break. They have a whole whack yep. of Boxing Day games. Do they yeah, not? the games over the Christmas period is probably um, I know for sure for me some of my favorite moments of of watching football. 
yeah. um, because you get so many matches in, and and normally it's in a, in a period where you don't really have to worry about work. You're not concentrating on anything because yeah. we shut down, and teams are either. So most teams, I know for sure. For me, I take we take the the Christmas well, time off. Let's hope. <laughs> let's hope. Let's so, hope you need to rejuvenate somewhere. Yeah. So I don't know. This year is going to be a little bit of a different challenge for me. I'm going to be in Montreal over the Christmas break. Nice. So I'm gonna maybe I'm gonna be in the east, a little bit of the east coast. So I'll be able to see the games a little bit. I don't have to wake up as early. No, you can watch it as, in the later you know, afternoon. Yeah. So um, Which would be might good. have to find a pub out in Montreal and and see if they'll have the Liverpool game on somewhere and, and drag my girlfriend out and see. Uh, I don't know. Fantastic. Now, we were just talking during the break, uh, Darren. Darren Poole sitting in for Dano, who had to bail on us, and apparently chuckles as well, but he's... He's just bailed. He's gone. No, we are, we're busy people out here. You know what I mean? We are busy people, and it's tough because we're working out of the uh, – or we do the podcast out of our uh, our new digs here upstairs at uh, the lovely Casca offices of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. But, Mr. Pooley, you, you were saying so busy over Christmas holidays just with family and with stuff. family and, and kids and stuff. And then if we're going to talk about EPL, it was a good choice in the substitute because uh, uh, as a kid – but my first game to ever watch was a Spurs game. Nice. And I had no idea what it was, so I watched it, and it was an FA final, I believe it was. So that would be my team to follow. Oh, Tottenham. Wow. Tottenham Spurs. Wow. Wow. Wait till we tell Dan. Dan will be all over Dan that. Is. So I don't hide. I'm not having a love for the Liverpools because it's oh, just okay. like Montreal Canadiens and hockey. <laughs> so hey, I hey, kind of hey, go whoa, away. Whoa, 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 whoa. Back I, the bus up. I have to I'm say that. I'm a Habs fan. I'm man. sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Grew that's... up with too many Habs fans and too many Leaf fans and... Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm not a big Leaf fan either, but, you know. And, and, and I mean, we'd be remiss in not mentioning the fact that over the holiday season, because I'm a huge huge fan of watching the, the junior hockey oh, championships, yeah. the world championships are, are going to start. They usually start Boxing Day. And uh, and what was the big news that we just heard today? Big announcement. Uh, world Juniors, Canada is kind of come to Edmonton and Red Deer. So 2021, next year. I'm very excited. It is a big thing in my family to be watching that uh, World Juniors. I actually went to the last World Juniors they had in Edmonton and Calgary that they were watched Jerome again the play. Uh, Ryan Smith, I believe, was on the team as well too back then. It was it was pretty awesome. I'm excited to be in the yeah. city now and knowing. I, I, I remember, uh, was I in Vancouver the last time they had it? I think it was, but I don't know. At the holiday time, at least in Vancouver, it's uh, distances and the what you know the amount it takes to get around the city and and to try and get tickets because they're sold out. I'm sure they'll be sold out oh. here as well. It'll be it'll go quickly. It'll be begging and borrowing from people to. It's, it's so to it's get so funny when you watch those games when they're when they're hosted in the states or hosted in Canada. It's always sold out, and uh, when you when they're the games are hosted somewhere in Europe, you always see stands, <laughs> yeah. and the stands are full of Canadians. Yeah. It's un- or, unbelievable. Or, or or you get some, you know, Kazakhstan versus yeah. somebody, and, uh, and there's no one there. And there's no one there, which isn't necessarily... I mean, you, you'll find even those games yeah, they're, are, they're are full. Filled, uh, yeah. filled here. I think they sell out the whole arenas before it actually happens, but definitely something to watch over the holidays. Um, are you guys ready for Christmas? Like, we're, we're getting really close here. Not a chance. In fact, by the time this airs, it might have already happened. <laughs> I don't think so. Santa, I don't hear the sings. I don't think you hear things jingling. I'm I'm a serial last-minute shopper, yeah. and you know I've done it for very, very many years. I just like to one day, you know... Get in and out, get it done with. Get in my car, grab a coffee, by myself, nobody else, no distractions. Nice! Get in, get out, wrap the gifts, put them under the tree. <sighs> But I've been told this year that I can't do it, so it's, it's a little bit of a change to my uh, process. But I'm, I'm growing here. I'm growing. You know what? You just you just advance the day slightly. Oh. Don't make it the last minute. Do it all. Do the same. Exactly what you've just said. Grab that coffee. Take the day. Get it done. And it's not like I'm I'm not thoughtful about the gifts. I'm I'm very good at gifting. Mm. But it's just I like I like to have that moment. I have to think I'm I'm. I'm a little on the poor side with that. <laughs> but, you know, you'll have the one or two that you that you put some thought into it. And then by the end of the the week, you're thinking, oh, crap, I got to get, oh, oh, I forgot them. Oh, them. And, and it just yeah. builds up. What about yourself, Darren? It's a lot of work sometimes, right? Like, it's tough when you're working nine to five now. And I don't, I used to work downtown. It was much easier in lunch hour. And oh, really? just pop yeah. into a store. City center. Store was pretty easy. Yeah. And, and just running around, but uh, we're waiting for our Christmas break here so you guys can get out and do Absolutely. your stuff, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, true enough. Which I'm, is middle of what, a couple of weeks now, and then there'll be yeah. no technical, no se- no soccer, yeah. nothing, right? That'll and be I'm, nice. I'm I'm, a, I'm actually driving home. To, Are to, you doing uh, it? Yeah, you oh, know, you're doing I, it I again. Just, I just can't justify paying the money it costs to fly home now. You know, to fly home to rent a car. I mean, it may not sound like a lot to some people, but to me, it's huge. And I'm sure it's huge for anybody. But we're looking at like $1,300 yeah, it's massive. for me to go home for the holidays. Now, what would be really nice, and Uncle Darren's going to tell you this little story. He's solo. So if he wasn't solo <laughs> here in Edmonton, he might be staying here. So, hey, for all those people out there, maybe we'll have a little contest. Date DW. Huh? We're gonna, Fantastic. Or just invite DW over for some Christmas dinner. <laughs> well, I, 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 you know, Knockwood, or not even Knockwood, I have been invited. Ah. There, there, there's been the, a couple of people who've, who've, you know, said if you're in town and you've got, you know, uh, well, Chuckles just renovated his house. I'm pretty <laughs> sure he, he might have some space for Chuckles you. Chuckles might have some space for me. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I don't know. Look at all those red lights on the phone line. <laughs> <They're all laughs> lit up now. Look the at that. Lighting up. <laughs> DW's got a date tonight. Um, no, it's uh, it's funny. And I have to ask. Okay, so now we, we are talking a little fluff. We're going to wrap things up here pretty quick. But uh, favorite Christmas movie, Mr. Poole, go. Go. Favorite movie, sorry to say, is Polar Express. And I'm going to throw in... The original Grinch. Ah, oh, that's fantastic. So that's the, the like the 1960s cartoony yes, version. The cartoon one, yes. Okay. Okay, D? I have to go Home Alone Trilogy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, uh, Home Alone nothing, Trilogy. There's nothing like getting some Macaulay Culkin in on the Christmas holiday season. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, mine, oh man, I've got a whole bunch. I'm, I'm just trying, it's tough to pick the just one. But I think for me, it would probably be, uh, what would it be? I don't know. I, I, I like a bunch. I like yeah. a bunch. Like I, I Honestly, I've watched two already. Oh, yeah. And I've, got, yeah. I've thrown them up on Facebook. One of them was uh, Miracle on 34th. Yeah. The old version with oh, no. Natalie Wood as a kid. Not, not the, what's his, Tim... Uh, no, I'm not sure what we're talking about. I think, okay. He's a Santa Claus. <laughs> that, oh no, that's that's the Santa Claus. That's, oh yeah. That's the other oh one. right, 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 right. right. Uh, that one and and then uh, it, it's not the original because they've man. I looked this up. They've got about five different versions of a Christmas Carol. And uh, Scrooge, nineteen fifty one. It goes back. And to, Charles is back, everybody. Oh, oh who's that? <laughs> oh, you know, I wasn't Uncle gonna, Chuckles. I wasn't going to talk to him because this is the very last segment and the last minute of the last segment. But it's it's good that he, good that you're back. Uh, but yeah, the Alistair Sims version of uh, of Christmas Absolute Carol. Brilliant. Um, brilliant. I, that's my favorite. I watched that again the other night. But we have we got a list of everybody's in here. So I went out and grabbed them uh, in between the breaks here. Uh, chillin' with Chillin'. Yes, Andreas Chillin'. His favorite movie is A Christmas Vacation. Yeah, and the GM, the little general, Debbie Ballin. Her favorite is Elf. I just thought I'd throw it out. You know, these are all ideas you can you know take and, and go and deal with. Uh, Dean's was The Grinch, but the Jim Carrey version. Ah, I was going to yeah, say that, too. That's a pretty that's good, a good one. one. But you know yeah. what? I, I, it's funny because they have a new Grinch that's out now. And people, people, they were commenting on it, and people think the Jim Carrey version is too scary. No. Like the way he is. Well, I mean, for adults, it's humorous and we live in funny. A, we live in a, a sensitive society nowadays, uh, D-Dub. You know what? That, that, that is the case. And you know what? You know, baby, it's cold outside, right? So, oh, I heard um, about this on the radio. <laughs> no, we, 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 are we going to go there? No, we're not going to go there. We don't have the time to go there. Go ahead, Chuckles. What's your favorite Christmas movie? Or was that it? That was it, yeah. Christmas Carol, uh, uh, Alistair Sim, 1951. Yeah. And just to, just, to, just to throw it out there, uh, and I'm, I'm not throwing anything away by talking about it, but it's one of the most famous um, scenes within a movie where an extra or a, a, a technician from the movie is actually in the film if you really look. So when Scrooge goes to the window, uh, and he, at the very end after... Asked for the Christmas uh, turkey, after, after, boy yeah. in the street. So yeah. be- just before he asked the, the kid to go f- get the prize turkey, um, he's looking out the window. There's a mirror behind him. In the mirror, you can see a guy with headphones and a microphone. Much like yourself? Leaning back. Much like myself at the moment, yeah. But it's, it's just <laughs> interesting. It's just one of those little film things where they, where they talk about. So if you're ever watching Scrooge, look for the mirror at the very end of the movie and, or towards the end of the movie. Anyway, thought I'd throw that out there. So if, if by chance this show uh, doesn't air till after Christmas, we'll look like idiots. But, you know, um, I just want to wish everybody a, a Merry Christmas, Happy Holiday. You know, enjoy the time off, recoup from your uh, soccer ventures, and uh, 
yeah, we'll look forward to uh, chatting with you again in the, in the near future. So, uh, D, thanks, man. Uh, awesome. Merry Christmas to everybody. Yeah. And a happy new year if we don't get back. Pooley, time. Yeah, Pooley filling in for uh, everybody. oatmeal. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for the invite and uh, all the best to everybody. Yeah, and, uh, and Chuckles, of course. And Merry Christmas to everyone and to all the staff here. And we'll see you guys in the new year. Yeah, we'll see you all in the new year. This is DW signing off for yet another edition of Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park uh, District Soccer Association. Merry Christmas. You've been listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association.